this is going to be inter interesting uh, next like half an hour. It's going to be fun, right? Um, those of you who don't know this young lady next to me, her name is Jessica Ray. Everybody wave at Jess, say hi. Um, some of you know her, um, camp ministry, things like that. Believe it or not, we met in college. We looked so much like the same age and man, literally did happen. We were in the same college class, correct? Yeah, I was like the night school old guy that came back, but you know. We were in the same college class, so I can at least, yeah, say that still. Um, Jessica is, uh, she's helped us out with camp minister for several years. She also is involved with the State House of Public Servants Prayer. Uh, I'm going to have her talk for a couple minutes about her ministry, and then Jonathan, you're over there. I'm going to have him talk a little bit, and by the way, it's all plugged into the sermon, I promise. Uh, I'm going to have him talk a little bit after Jessica's done about what God's doing at Refuge there in Plainfield. Uh, Brett, if I would have known you were here, I would have put you on the spot too, but <laughs> good to have Brett Kays with us from uh, South Point Church up in Michigan, so good to have Brett with us today, but I'll go ahead and turn it over to Thank you so much. All right, as he said, I'm Jessica Ray. Um, yeah, I've probably known them for about 10 years now, but he asked me, Ellen asked me to come and share a little bit about what I do at the State House um, before I get too deep into that, but I, I want to kind of, this is probably taller than me. I don't know if you guys can see me. <laughs> um, before I get too deep into that, I want to say a few words and then you guys fill in the blank. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. How do you feel if I say this? For God so loved politicians. <laughs> so, um, so let that... Ooh, <laughs> which is an interesting concept because Jesus, Jesus died. So, so if we put um, politician in that blank there, for God so loved politicians that what did he do? He died, right? That he gave his only begotten son, that if the politicians would believe in him, they won't perish, but they can have eternal life. And as we all know, um, it's so easy for Christians to believe we love everyone and we, we bless and not curse when it's the person on the street. But for some reason, we have a blinder when it comes to politicians. We think it's okay to hate them. And we think it's okay to uh, say mean things and to curse them and to um, make fun of them. But they're people. And uh, for the last three years, I've been working with Public Servants Prayer. And it is the chaplaincy to the state house. So um, we have a team, and it, it does spread to the city-county building as well, so the leaders in our city as well. But our mission is to create a culture of love and care for the people in the political arena and also to raise awareness of prayer for them. Um, so our, our theme verse is 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, and this is the call of the church. In the United States, it's easy to get caught up in the politics side, and it is good to exercise your beliefs and to vote, but the way we do those things has to be within the, the confines of the Holy Spirit, and that is love. Um, but what he calls us to do as the church is in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I exhort you that first of all, supplications prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks 
be made for all men. And then the first two things that they mention, for kings and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Something that we often see in the state house is Christian groups on two sides of the aisle fighting and being very ugly, and our political leaders, all they see is a divided church. Who wants that? Who wants that Jesus, you know? And literally signs saying you're going to hell about things that they don't even understand. Um, and that's very sad. So God has raised up my, my boss and put him there as someone with favor, favor with the king, um, if you will. Like in Nehemiah, you had, he had favor with the king. He was the king's cupbearer. And look what God, God saved their nation. And Esther had favor with the king. And just all throughout scriptures, you see that. Um, I don't want to take too much time. Um, so when my boss, Matt Barnes, was about 27, he heard this message in a church about praying for your leaders. And God just got a hold of his heart. And he decided, and he was in another state, he came home to Indiana, and he went into the state house, didn't know what he was going to do, but he was going to pray for his leaders. And they're accessible. So he went in and just started to try to meet them and to pray. And he just started feeling God calling him to do this more full time. His initial hope was to take their prayer requests and start spreading them to churches around the state. And their prayer requests are, hey, my wife has cancer. You know, like, there's real things going on when they're getting all these hate, hateful calls um, behind the scenes. But that was his initial heart, was to spread their prayer requests from, from church to church around the state. But little by little, as he went in for nine years, faithfully sitting in the chambers and meeting these people, one day that one of our senators, who's a, a devout Christian, said, you're our chaplain. And he's like, I don't think it works that way. Like, <laughs> I don't think I can just be your chaplain. But the next person that they saw was another legislator. And he said, this is chaplain Matt Barnes. So from then on, Matt became the chaplain of the state house. And it's the first one we've ever had. He's been there since 2004. And a few years after he was in, he brought in a woman to be a the women's side of the ministry chaplain, and that's who I assist the most. Um, her name is Pam. So I'm actually the assistant to these chaplains. And we um, travel and do this spreading, this idea of prayer for our political leaders in churches as well. Um, on a weekly basis, this might surprise you to know, we do prayer, prayer mornings every Monday in the State House, and that's for anyone, leaders and staff. Um, Tuesdays, every Tuesday, we have a women's Bible study, which is, I think, averages about 15 to 20 women. Um, Thursdays, there's a legislators-only Bible study, and about 30 of our legislators actually attend that pretty regularly, which is awesome. Even through COVID, God worked it out for good because we usually had only had that Bible study part of the year, through COVID, we learned we can do it on Zoom. 
So now every single Thursday of the year, these legislators are meeting and praying and going chapter by chapter through the Word of God. And that creates such a, a much more peaceful rhetoric across the aisles in the House and Senate. Um, on Fridays, we do a, another Bible study going through Proverbs right now. And so that's kind of our weekly presence in the State House. There's also counseling. Um, the legislators don't have a lot of people that they can safely talk to without having everything broadcasted. So, so the, the presence of the chaplaincy is people that they can go to for prayer, and it's not going to just be blasted all over the Internet or all over the media. So, so that's kind of what we do. My, we also have an international presence as well where God's been opening doors for us to go and train other people in different countries to do what we're doing in their political arenas. So we're hoping to meet with some people from several countries next year and even start training them. So, so there's that. I'll leave you with this. Um, we have a website, and it's t so thepsp.org. And you can go on there, and you can sign up to receive an email that will tell you three legislators to pray for every day. And that's just one way you can start like ob obeying that call to pray for your leaders and asking God to make those changes in them and in their hearts, and policy just falls after that. Um, so I think I'll, I'll leave you there, but thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Um, and that's awesome. That should be encouraging, right? To know that there's already a power at work in, in our government, which we do, let's face it, tend to have a negative view of and almost has a, a bad taste in our mouths even to say government anymore. But to know that there's already a power at work and that we can, we can assist and join and amplify that power through through our own prayers and maybe even through our actions of loving people. So that's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Um, I had no idea it existed. So it took me a minute to get up here because I was jotting it down in my phone. Look up this website. Um, so we are the refuge. I know a lot of people here know, or probably at least half of you know about the refuge in Plainfield and um, what we have going on there. Uh, we've still been able to regularly meet and that's been a blessing um, we are meeting at the same location that we've had for a while there in the shops at Perry Crossing above Stone Creek Restaurant called Level 2 Co-working Space. And uh, that's been a huge benefit for us. But what this year has really taught us, and I'm going to just do a really quick fast forward, a summary of, of 2021 so far, is earlier in the year, the first quarter or so, third of the year, um, we saw God just doing some magnificent things, really affirming where we were, what we were doing. Um, camp was one of those things, us getting to attend both the teen and junior camp this summer, seeing people saved as a result. Seeing people saved as a result. <laughs> That's the whole point. I didn't do it. Jesus did it. You're not clapping for me. <laughs> Um, we got to, my goodness, we got to baptize people. Actually, the, our first ever baptism that we got to do was here with you guys, which was incredible. And we got to baptize a couple of people here. Uh, and then the very next month, uh, I believe there was three more. We've got a couple planned. They're younger. And so their parents are a little bit more 
hesitant to just jump into it. They want to really know where their kids are with it and everything. But um, knowing that God just keeps moving, that we're seeing lives and souls saved, and that we're able to baptize people in that first step of obedience in their discipleship, um, it was amazing, and it was great, and I was on this spiritual high, and then camp happened, and that was great, uh, but emotionally and mentally draining too, right? <laughs> um, those that have attended or, or were there this year, um, that just a lot of things that were happening and going on, and then we, we stupidly had our own family vacation very shortly thereafter, um, but we decided before we do that, let's move. So <laughs> we were renting on the west side of Plainfield over near um, the, the prison and the um, police academy. That's where we've been for the last couple of years. We had the opportunity to buy a house. We thought the market's great. Uh, let's do that. That's a joke. The market's terrible. But um, we decided to move more. Yeah, if you're selling, you know, go for it. I don't know where you're going to move afterwards, though. But uh, we moved more centrally located in Plainfield, and that actually gave us even more access to more people. And we've already been able to get to know some of our neighbors and establish a connection with a lot of them. And one of the things that we really tried to push back in 2019, early 2020, when we started this thing, we have small groups that we call open houses. And it's somewhat akin to what you would think of as an open house. You open your house, people come in, they visit, they see not just a house like in a realtor setting, but they see your family. And you're opening your living room, your kitchen and dining room up to them. Um, and you're letting them see you in a, in a new, unintimidating way. And it was just an opportunity for us to put a sign out front, open house. We had to put our name on there so they didn't think that we were selling it. Uh, but they can pop in and they can get to know us. So people that are in our circle of influence, we get to go and we get to say, hey, you should come join us for our, our house. It's Tuesday nights. And say, hey, come to our house on Tuesday nights. We got some people from our church there. You can get to know us. We're just hanging out. Um, we do have opportunity where, yeah, we, we approach things about um, life according to God's word. And so if people are struggling with their family life or with their job or whatever, that gives us access to be able to say, well, this is what the Bible says about that. But do it in a very less intimidating, less invasive way. And we're meeting people's needs where it is. Uh, we had gotten away from that. As you can imagine, 2020 changed a lot of things because we planned that early on and then COVID hit and shutdowns and, and isolation, quarantining, all that stuff hit. And so now we didn't have that kind of access. So our open houses turned into really building community with each other. The, the core nucleus group that we had formed was growing closer together, growing deeper in relationship, being discipled. So we were still actively doing what God's word tells us to do with these families that we had already established a presence and a relationship with. And so we continued to disciple and we continued to help them grow and we continued to pour into them through their marriages and their work and their families and all of those different areas of our lives. Um, but then things started to open back up. And as you can imagine, we got comfortable. And I know that sounds weird, like you're a young church plant, everything's supposed to change. Everything's supposed to be go, go, go. And, and you know, how would you get stagnant or, or how would you plateau in a new church like that? It happens, right? It happens in our families. It happens in churches. It happens in organizations. I mean, look what, uh, look what this pandemic did to businesses across the globe. And so it hit us too. 
uh, as strange as that may be to, to hear, the, the 25, 30 of us that were gathering together. And then early 2021 hit, things had started slowly opening back up. You know, winter was coming to an end. And we saw that surge of salvation, of God changing people's lives, of getting to dunk people in the water for Jesus. Uh, we got to experience all of that, and it was that affirmation. And then things started to just plateau again. And so right now, that's the season that we're in. We're revamping. Uh, we are recasting that vision of reaching people where we are, reaching our neighbor, reaching our coworker, and we're starting to see it um, as we share that with some of our core church members and say, hey, what are you doing to invest in your neighbors? What are you doing to invest in people at your job? You know, are, are they seeing the disciple of Christ right in front of them? And then are you inviting them? We, we want our open house to be the front door for people. Um, if they come on a Sunday afternoon when we have our services, 4 o'clock, if you wanted to pop in, that's cool. Uh, but uh, if they want to come in there and be introduced to our church that way, it's a little bit more conventional way of, of getting to know people from a church, that's fine, absolutely. We're going to welcome them every single time. But our open houses is really an opportunity for people to come and meet us in an intimate, somewhat more vulnerable way and to be less intimidated and really just get to know us and understand that church, church isn't an event. Church isn't a scheduled time on Sunday. Uh, it's not something that you attend. It's something that you're a part of. Um, and so this gives us an opportunity to share that with them and to, uh, to open our doors and our hearts to people around. And so be praying for us. We've got a couple of things coming up. And if any of you would be willing or interested in joining us for these, uh, i got to remember the date, and I don't right now, but at the end of next month in September, we're having a, a neighborhood cookout. We're going to be cooking for our entire neighborhood, um, or as many of them as we can possibly feed. And we're just going to keep it simple, hot dogs and maybe do some popcorn and stuff like that. And let them come by, um, have some conversation, hang out in our front yard with us, get to know us, and we get to know our neighbors better that way. Uh, one of the ways that I like to phrase it is we invite people to invade our lives. A lot of times people feel like we're invading theirs but they're a lot more keen on invading yours if you're willing to let them. And so we want to open the invitation for that. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He invited people to invade his glory, his perfection, his righteousness, his holiness by coming to this earth and clothing himself in flesh. Um, we're trying to reflect Jesus in doing that. Uh, following that, on Halloween, we've done this the last couple of years, we're going to do a Halloween cookout. So while the kids are trick-or-treating and the parents are going around holding their baskets and their coats and shoes or whatever else they're having to hang on to with the kids, they can stop by our house and, and grab dinner for the, for the kids. You know, maybe they didn't get a chance after work to, to go home or to pop through a drive-through and grab dinner. So now we're going to have same thing, hot dogs and, and popcorn and chips and things of that nature, just so that we can bless our neighborhood, bless our community in a very natural, very easy way. Um, it, it's it's going to take a little inconvenience, um, but not much at all for us to simply show love to the people around us and let our community know that we exist first and foremost for the glory of God and his kingdom, but we want them to be a part of that kingdom. And so um, that's what we're doing. That's the update. I will ask that you pray. We're going to be low tonight or this afternoon. Uh, we have a lot of people who are either close contact tracing, and so they're having to stay home, or they have been sick themselves, whether it was coronavirus or a cold or sinus flu or whatever. Um, people have been sick and out of town. 
Uh, one more update for you all, and this is a little bit of a split, because I know many of you know our relationship with the Allen family, but Levi had his surgery. Don't know if, I, th- I think some of you are aware, but uh, he got through it smoothly. Everything went well. He's recovering. He tried a little too much too fast, <laughs> so he had to back off and everything, but um, he is actually doing really well. And so I know many of you were praying for him, continue to do so, but praise God for that report and for him working in their lives. Uh, once again, they've been a blessing to our family still. So um, thanks for, for everything that you do. And I don't even know if you guys understand, but I, I keep in contact with a few of you and you encourage me and you continue even financially to support us as a church, uh, what we're doing and everything. And you've been such a blessing. Continue to be that blessing, not just to us, but here in Brownsburg, reaching the people that you can. So turn it over to Alan, the man of the hour. All right, so you've heard probably the best part of what you're going to hear today between Jessica and uh, Jonathan. It is encouraging to hear what God is doing within 20 minutes of us. That's about how far we are from the state house. We don't think about that, do we? God is working in such a great way. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to go till 1230 today, so don't, some of y'all like looking at, well, we're almost done, right? Um, Lord sometimes gives you experience, uh, for two years, I don't even think I put this on my resume, I'm going to turn it in, for two years I was a chaplain, or not chaplain, but the, uh, guy who ran the night chapel at the Bible college I went to, and that night chapel was 20 minutes, you remember that? Time for one song and about a 15-minute message. So that's what you're going to get today, uh, Lord willing. Uh, so just stick with us as we go through. It's amazing how God puts things together and how God works through mess. I'm going to talk about that before you get into the message. Hopefully we'll get to the message, but we'll see. Uh, this week... There's a lot of ministry that's taking place in these four walls and outside of these four walls. Okay. But people that have been grieving and mourning, loss, uh, and people dealing through hard family circumstances and situations that it would make us cry even thinking about what they've dealt with this week. With that backdrop, I'm just encouraged to see how this church stepped up this week to be the church. And I'm thankful for those of you who were here and who helped with that. I'm thankful for, the, for those who, were, who helped out with your Banziks and the, uh, the funeral dinner. I'm thankful for uh, those who prayed. Thankful for Jessica and Jonathan, who uh, you always have to have those couple of people you can text on a, uh, Jessica's case on a Friday night and Jonathan's case on a Saturday night and say, hey, uh, our whole worship team's out. <laughs> and the people we had left are, are in the contact tracing thing. So it's either going to be me leading with a track and you really don't want to hear that. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. 
I was actually, I didn't put this on the resume, I was a choir director at a church, and ironically that church closed. I don't know if there was a correlation or what happened with that, but you can put two and two together there if you want. Um, we're going to be in Colossians, uh, we're going to finish chapter three, and we're going to try to get through chapter four in the next 15 minutes. We'll see where, where the Lord leads. Fortunately, David already preached a little bit of chapter four, and uh, and Jonathan and Jessica gave us examples that we needed from the end of chapter four, so we've got all that covered, but we're going to pick up in uh, Colossians chapter three. Uh, we're going to end, be at the end of three in verse 22 uh, the end of 3 and verse 22. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Lord, I just pray that you would guide our words, guide our steps. Lord, I pray that you would help us to adjust our walk today to what you would have us to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to pray for one another. I pray that you would help us to lift one another up. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to talk about practical principles of the new life. If you remember correctly, last week we, we finished up with uh, talking about wives and husbands and children and fathers and all those icky topics that we don't like to step on people's toes with, but the Bible touches all of those things. Now we're going to start out with an even ickier topic, and that is the idea of bond servants. I, I've got to say all this in Bible background before we get into this. Um, Jessica, I'm glad that you're here for this because this actually fits into the example. Uh, Romans 13 tells us to pray for those that have rule over us. You need to understand something. The Bible speaks to where culture is. It doesn't endorse culture. When Jesus, through Paul writing the book of Romans, said to pray for those that have rule over you, they were literally setting Christians on fire on the sides of the roads. They were crucifying them, and that was the government they were praying for. You ever think about that? That was the government they were praying for. And I say that because when we get in this issue of bond servants, in this issue of, uh, of slaves, what Jesus is saying, what the Holy Spirit teaches us through his word is not what is a right circumstance, but how to deal rightly in a wrong circumstance. You understand what I'm saying? There is no point in, in which the Bible endorses someone owning someone else. That is as unbiblical as you can get, okay? Uh, it's, but what the principles are teaching us here is how to act if you are stuck in that situation. You say, well, I'm not stuck in that situation today. Yeah, you probably are. Um, I brought these with me today. Ralph, I, for time's sake, I probably wasn't going to use them, but I figure I might as well bring them up. Uh, some, some people never know about pastors. Yes, I actually do know how to do real work. Yes, the cuts on those boots are actually mine. Uh, I earned the cuts on those boots. Um, we all work and serve somebody, something. How many have a mortgage on your house? Okay, they expect you to pay that, right? <laughs> so you you work for that person. How many have a, how how many of you are an employee of someone? 
How many of you work for yourselves? We're going to touch on that too. Uh, the principles here apply to that, and so that's what we're going to talk about at the end of Colossians uh, chapter 3. It says, Bond service, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatsoever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that the, from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward, for you are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong that he has done, and there is no partiality. Then 4, verse 1, Master, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. So the practical principles, what, what do we see? If we're serving, if we're working for someone, if we're punching a clock, if we're signing a contract, what are we supposed to do? The Bible tells us, obey, not by the way of eye service, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Who do we work for? We work for the Lord. Let me just tell you something. I, I, I work for a secular employer. Um, the jobs you're asked to do aren't always fun or logical, are they, Kara? Okay. We work for the same company. Uh, there aren't always things that you're like, a rational person wouldn't do that. Some of you are like, yeah, my employer does that sometimes as well. But the Bible says I serve for them. Why? Because God's placed you in that place, in that ministry to reach those people. They see your attitude. They see how you act. Not only that, they see how you are when no one's looking. It says not by the way of eye service. Have you ever worked with someone like this before where they didn't do any work until the boss was around? And then they ran around like crazy when the boss was there, and the boss would come up to you after and say, man, I wish you could be like so-and-so. And you're like, yeah, you aren't here when they're not. You're not here when, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, why do we do it? It says, verse 24, we know that we will receive an inheritance for our reward for we are serving Christ. Even our, our earthly employers don't honor us, Christ will. Christ will. By the way, verse 25 is de dealing with uh, what the Lord will do. He says, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So the wrongdoer is paid back for what he's done. So sometimes we like to fight back, don't we? <laughs> My wife knows this, and I, I, I guess if you put it on Facebook, it's public enough to share. Um, I, I got to talk to a customer service rep on, on Wednesday. Isn't that always a fun time? Yeah, I, I'm very direct with those guys. Uh, because I know what I, any, any of you, I'm, I'm on, maybe I'm the only not nice person dealing with those people sometimes. Uh, what's that? I try to be nice, but I try to be direct. You know, here, it's what needs done. And if you can do that, that would be awesome kind of thing. And then when they say, no, I can't do that, I'd be like, well, you know, if you could do that, it would be awesome. And like, I can restate this again for you if you'd like. Uh Sometimes we get there. 
But the Bible says that the wrongdoer will be paid back for what he's done, and it's his job to do that. And then chapter 4 starts out with the principle for someone who, uh, in our cultural context, is an employer. And it says this. It says, treat them justly and fairly, knowing you have a master in heaven. Because who's in charge? Jesus is. All right, we're going to get into prayer, and I'm going to, I'm going to buzz through this. David covered all this a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I jokingly told David this morning, go, David, I'm glad you covered that when you preached on prayer, because I don't know how deep we're going to be able to get into it today. Uh, I'm going to read verses 2 through 6, and I want to give one example with that, and then we're going to do verses uh, four through 4, 7 through 18 in about five minutes after that, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to be done. It says... 2 through 6 of Colossians chapter 4, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God might open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards the outsiders, making best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you ought to know how to answer each person. The practical principles there in prayer in verse 2 are that we need to pray with an alert mind and a thankful heart. We need to pray with an alert mind, know what's going on. Pray with a thankful heart. Then it says in verse 3, pray for us that we may have an opportunity to open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. Pray that we can proclaim the gospel no matter what. We should pray that God would continue to work. I, I the testimony of praying for our leaders. Um, what's going on in Afghanistan right now uh, with the Christians there, if you followed any of that? Uh, as the Taliban has worked its way through the country. Now, the Christians are under persecution. And some of them are choosing to flee. But the amazing testimony I heard the other day was from a guy that was working with a network of underground churches there. And he said, you know what? A lot of our people are staying. They're staying knowing what's coming. They're staying fully knowing they're risking their life and might be martyred for their faith. Why are they staying? So that Jesus might be known among the nations. They're staying because they care more about eternity than they do about the next six months and the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. I'm not, I'm not trying to offend any pumpkin spice fans in here. I know it's, I know it's that time of year. I'm already seeing the fall decorations go up, uh, but they care, and that's what Paul's making the point here. We should pray that we have an opportunity, no matter what the cost, to share the gospel. Whether people think of us negatively, whether we pray with Democrats, Republicans. Uh, but that we would share the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is what changes hearts, folks. 
Walk in wisdom towards the outsiders, making best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, because you don't know who's going to listen, right? Ever been in a conversation where somebody came up and you were having what you thought was a private conversation, you realize there are about a half a dozen people listening to you? <laughs> Ever been in that situation? Make sure your grace always is. Your speech is always seasoned with grace. In the last few verses here, um, there's so much going on. I'm not going to read the verses for time's sake. I'm just going to pull some of the names out that are serving. Paul writes from a prison. By the way, you know how long it would have taken for him to write in a prison, A. And... <laughs> And what it took to get a message out of prison, even though he was a prisoner in Rome and he was, the Bible says he was a light chain then, so he wasn't really, you know, he was a political prisoner really at that point. But to get letters out is a hard thing. Now, what do we, what do, we do? We can email, we can shoot letters. I, I brought an example that I don't have time to use. My son gets, has a pen pal in Florida. Uh, and you can get letters back and forth from Florida in, you know, a couple days. Paul took the time and effort to write these names down because all these names mattered. We focus so many times on numbers, but you know what matters to God? What matters to God is each and every individual. He cares as much about you as he does about anybody else. He loves you because you're his kid. How do you know that? Because he sent his son to die for you. So we have the first person sent, Tychicus, because he was sent to help the church. We're going to talk about the book of Philemon here, Lord willing, in a couple weeks because it kind of is the parallel to the book of Colossians. Uh, Philemon talks about a man named Onesimus. Onesimus is sent back by a letter of Paul that says, Go back to the guy who used to be your master, and Paul says, I'll, I'll, I'll pay his debt. Onesimus mattered. He was a slave, not a brother. I wanted to catch one in here because it's one that really uh, hits to me, and that's uh, verse 10. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. When we just read Mark, cousin of Barnabas there, we don't really see the whole picture. But if you go back to the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas separated. They wouldn't even go at missionaries. Can you believe this, Jessica? Missionaries that wouldn't even work together. We'd never see that among Baptists, would we, Jonathan? <laughs> missionaries that wouldn't even work together. <laughs> they separated and they separated over Mark because Mark abandoned him the first time. And Paul says all these years later, hey, if Mark comes, take care of him. You know what that means? That means God isn't done with you. Some of you are here this morning and you feel like God's done with you because you've squandered your first chance to share God's word with people. You failed people in your family. You failed people in your community. But let me tell you this much. The God of mercy and grace loves you just as much now as he did before you messed up. 
and he wants to restore you. And the choice is going to be yours of whether or not you're restored to him. And that talks about Jesus, who is called justice. The only one among the circumcision, I jokingly told Jonathan Woodring, because we identified together as Baptists, you know. You know there are Christians that aren't Baptists, right? Uh, Baptists tend to think they're the only ones. That was the whole point of the whole circumcision thing in Colossians 1, that like there was this group of believers that thought they were like the cool ones because, you know, they had been circumcised, which if you really think about that as a whole, yeah. I'll let you preach about that at 4 o'clock. Uh, I'm not going to hit that. But they thought they were better than because of what they had been through and because of who they identified as. But every individual believer has access to the throne of grace equally. It says, thank all those people. And even at the end of it, tells them to read the letter that was read to the book of the, the Laodiceans and just leaves them with the simple thought to remember his chains. Remember the fact that he's in prison to pray for him. What I'm going to ask you to do here in just a minute is we're, we're going, to have a, going to have a song of invitation. I know you've heard a lot today, a lot of different directions, a lot of different stuff. But, but let me tell you, sometimes that's what we bring together, right? <laughs> Some of you had a week that I, I, I don't envy you, okay? Some of you might have come in here and had a great week. Uh, some of you came in here, and I, I know that any struggles I went through this week paled in comparison to what you went through. What I want you to take time, if there's one person on your heart, to pray for them today. If you don't know Jesus, we always want to introduce you to Jesus, right? We always want to introduce you to Jesus, but the, the thing I want you to do today is this. Take time to pray for someone. Encourage someone. Everyone in this building knows someone who is going through a hard time. You say, well, I don't like to call people. I don't like to visit them. Send them a text. Take you five seconds. And it'll mean the world to them. Send them a message. I know Susan Graves in the hospital. I'm sure she'd love to hear from a bunch of you. Okay? I know there are people struggling they're quarantined, locked up in their house, and, and there's only so much Netflix you can watch, right? Uh, uh, spend some time. Encourage one another this week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We praise your name for what you've done in this building today. Lord, I praise you for the ministries that have been represented today. Lord, I, I pray as we, we go into this time of invitation, Lord, I, I just pray that you would help us to pray for one another, that you would help us to encourage one another as we seek to serve you today. And, and Lord, I just pray that you help us to show love of Jesus to people who we don't think deserve it, but people who you died for. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
grace this morning where sin runs deep your grace is more grace is found is where you are where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me Give them a big round of applause for helping out and pitching in this morning. Uh, thankful for them. Uh, this was God's service this morning. This was not, you know, this wasn't on the agenda, was it? Uh, but God, God uh, works and God works through. Uh, remember, if you're in Ralph's small group, two o'clock, you're, you're meeting, All right? Yeah, at Tyson and Vanessa's house. So, uh, Okay, and if you need directions or whatever, hit Ralph up. He'll be able to lose you and get you lost. And at least that's what I would do if I would 
if I were given directions. But uh, we'll go ahead and close in prayer and uh, uh, go from God's house this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I do thank you for this service this morning. Lord, I thank you for you being here, being in the midst of us. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to take everything you taught us through worship, through song, through those who spoke, Lord, and take it and help us to apply it to us this week. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be in our word and be in prayer this week as well. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.